We've made it to your Sunday. It's uh, the day of the big game. You might have heard of it. Super Bowl. The journey down to Miami. I remember those days when it was those football Bengals. Maybe, maybe next season. Maybe the year after. Maybe with Joe Burrow behind center. Maybe. Anything could happen. It's possible. How you doing, Sterling? Stepping in. Beautiful day in the Tri-State. Almost as warm here today as forecasted is in Miami. Without the palm trees, without the ocean, and without uh, Jennifer Lopez and Shakira. But you can watch them. You can listen to the game here on 700 WLW and uh, outfield time and try to make sense of things uh, before Chick Lugwig and uh, Tim McGee step in to try to uh, get you prepared for kickoff and a lot of other things to get to. Uh, Dr. Ali Khan. We punted him last week with the news of Kobe Bryant uh, in that uh, helicopter crash that uh, took his life and eight others, including his daughter. Uh, he, Dr. Khan is the former director of public health and preparedness and response for the CDC. He also has done stuff for the World Health Organization, still does actually. And he's the boss of uh, College of Public Health and Epidemiology, University of Nebraska Medical Center. He's an expert when it comes to uh, stuff like uh, Ebola, uh, coronavirus, as much as there can be expert insight into that. He will give us dirt uh, up to date on what's going on, what to expect, how these uh, creepy, crawly, scary things work, how scared we should be or not be when it comes to coronavirus. Uh, at uh, 12.35, following the, the 12.30 report, which Sandy Collins will give us an update on everything else that's going on. Michael D. Wall will join us. He's our friend from Space.com. We'll find out about getting lost in space. I don't know if you saw uh, crazy, incredible, or maybe you weren't as enthralled. I, I love space stuff, just in general. Uh, and they had this uh, an insanely uh, high-definition uh, picture, the best that we've seen so far in detail of, of the sun itself, uh, and a lot of other things have gone on in the last week or so space-related. So we'll, we'll talk to him just after 2 o'clock and a lot of other things to get to. Um, crazy story. If you're looking around right now, chances are you're driving. If you're not distracted now, and I don't mean by the sound of my voice, but by uh, some type of handheld device or eating a sandwich or donuts. or were, I was eating uh, donuts and protein bars on the way in, but I, I was trying to stay focused. Uh, there's a crazy story out of Columbus we'll get to in a bit. Uh, there was a, a cop there who has uh, written some 900 tickets over the last couple years for distracted driving. And if you look to your left and look to your right now, whether you're on Montgomery Road or somewhere driving through Eden Park, uh, enjoying the sights, or anywhere else in the tri-state, or for that matter on planet Earth on the iHeartRadio app, chances are one of the people to your left or right, if you're surrounded by individuals, uh, at least one, distracted, doing something. So we'll get into distracted issues. But to start, I want to have a little bit of fun. And i, I got to say, I, I, um, I mean, as a kid growing up, World Series, Super Bowl, these are big deals. Still are big deals. More so when your teams are playing or your team is playing and competing for that trophy, for that uh, world championship, that national championship, if you think uh, maybe college basketball, whatever it is. Going to an event such as that, that's a big deal also. Ticket prices, kind of high. Then you add in some of those people scalping those tickets subsequently, the aftermarket, even higher. Right now, remaining tickets for Super Bowl 54, that's L-I-V if you're keeping track with Roman numerals, could still get you to South Florida in time for the game if you want to hop a jet out of CVG or elsewhere, maybe, for $5,000. 
not the flight, but the ticket to the game. Talking to Big Dave Keaton, broadcast sheriff here just before the show. Last night, thinking about this, I was uh, looking around at prices for uh, tickets. Not that I was planning on going to the game. I I was scheduled to do this. I I have responsibilities and obligations to the people, at least, if not my boss, to you. And I'm thinking, well, $5,000. Okay. I don't don't think I'd pay $5,000, maybe for the Bengals if they were there. When they get there again, if they get there again. I know, don't look at me like that, like I'm delusional. It could happen. It's possible. They've been there twice. They haven't got it done, but they've been there. They could be there again. Maybe for Super Bowl 60, it's possible. Maybe 57. Would you take $5,000 and go see the Super Bowl? If, in fact, let's say... Let's say Bill Cunningham and his enormous uh, stacks and stacks of cash from that TV show, if nothing else. And he said, here's $5,000. Go to the Super Bowl or gamble that money. Got to gamble it all. Don't get lawyery on me like Willie might. And say, you didn't have that stipulation. You had to spend all the money. I'm going to put a dollar in, in the penny slot machine and, and uh, goof off for a while. And then I'll keep that $4,999. We've covered everything. And I'm the big winner. Would you go to the game for a $5,000 ticket, probably where your nose may, in fact, start bleeding way up there when you can watch it at the sports book, up close, personal, big screens, every angle, and uh, probably eat and drink for free while you're sitting there throwing some money around, depending on where you're gambling, of course. Which would you do? We'll open up the acutehearingcenter.com phone line. I'll tell you right now what I do. All in all, And not because I don't like to fly, not because I'm worried about coronavirus and masks and gloves and coughing and sneezing and everything else. And I like Miami. Miami's a great place. But I think uh, all in all, if I had to make a choice, quite simply stated, I'd take that 5K and I'd either run to Indiana or let's just say imagine we could get to Vegas in time. I'd probably I think I'd go to the desert. We'd see if we could run into my buddy Dave Purdom from ESPN Chalk, because he knows people. He's somebody. And uh, I think I'd hang out there, and I'd throw some money around. I'd spend all that 5 k Maybe I'd be the big winner. It's possible. Maybe uh, take some prop bets on that coin toss. Maybe prop bets on uh, fumbles or first scores or last scores or safeties or whatever else. Maybe the over-under. Maybe who knows what it is. $5,000 to gamble or $5,000 to get yourself a faraway seat in Miami for the 49ers and Chiefs. What would you do? 513-749-7000. 800-843-2441. That's 800-THE-BIG-1. AT&T device a choice to get interactive, maybe distracted while driving, while calling. Do it hands-free if you can. Pound 700. Pick up the phone. I want to know what you would do. Now, th- th- that would be the option. Here- here's the thing. Right, like Dave Keaton had it in his hand, $5,000. Go to the game. Go to the sports book. Or maybe maybe you don't go to the sports book. Maybe you know a guy with a window nose and over here like this. You know, he can hook you up, maybe whatever. You- but you got to gamble it all. Maybe in a brown paper bag. Carry that money around. I don't know how that works. I don't carry that kind of cash. I got like 78 cents, I think, in my pocket right now. The armrest might have another dollar and a quarter. I'll probably vacuum that out. I always forget when I go to clean the car because I do it myself. I'll be like, oh, and you hear that stuff going through the vacuum. I'm like, oh, I see where we're at. 
I, I gamble. I don't think I need to go to the game. But it is an experience. It is, is a, you know, an event of a lifetime. You know, you go to the NCAA Final Four, you go to the World Series, you hope it's the teams that you want to see. You, you think, what else, NBA championship maybe, depending? Maybe you want to go to the Kentucky Derby. Maybe, maybe you want to kind of, you know, the NHL. Uh, I don't know about all-star game activities. Those aren't exactly what, because they're just kind of lame, generally speaking. NBA one might be funny because th- there is no defense. It's just score, 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 score. Eventually, they'll get to a point that somebody will score 200 at one point or another in the future. That would be interesting to see. 5000 for the Super Bowl game. Faraway seats. Overpriced beverages and concessions, because you know they jack that stuff up for the Super Bowl. It's not like normal prices. $5,000 to gamble. I want to know what you do. 513-749-7800, the big one, pound 700 at On Twitter, follow me, get interactive if you'd like to, at Sterling Radio. Quick break, come back, have a little fun here on your Sunday afternoon. Sterling, 700-WLW. Supply. Sterling hanging out 700 WLW. Fine Sunday afternoon. Glad you're here. Lots of sunshine. Nine first warning uh, weather. It is disturbing. This is the first of February, second of February, but the first part of the month, right? Uh, sunshine 59 today, 34 tonight, 62 Monday, 57 Tuesday, maybe some rain, and then back to uh, closer to reality in the low 40s come Wednesday. I uh, like this if this is what change in the weather really means. I do. Uh, and the rising waters aren't going to bother us here unless you're close to the river, and it'll be all right. That's a 50 now, your severe weather station, 700 WLW. Almost as warm here today as forecasted in, in Miami for Super Bowl 54. 5K for a ticket right now. You can go check out the game in person. 49ers, hate them. It's going to be a close game, though. And, uh, of course, Mahomes, um, Kansas City Chiefs. I, uh, I kind of think that's... Uh, where I'm going to go as far as winning is concerned. But the weather right now, 63 in Miami. It'll get a little bit warmer, but it really almost the same here as there, which is just tremendous. Close to 60 here. Uh, that's not too bad when you think about it. We could have a Super Bowl in Cincinnati. Was that outlandish? I mean, they talk about it in New York, all in all. I mean, other than, like, the hotel room space or whatever, what do we not have that they have there, in the wintertime especially? I mean, and I know people think I'm delusional for saying that, but, I, I you know, I try to think of uh, ideas. I have ideas. I have solve problems in these type of things. Uh, as far as the other problems are concerned, and distracted driving is one of those, um, Columbus Police Officers, Columbus, Ohio, has ticketed some 900 people for distracted driving over the last couple of years. Has uh, really taken it upon uh, himself to try to save lives. That's what law enforcement does, generally speaking. And obviously it's a major problem, and it's a growing problem. And people die. On a regular basis, unfortunately, I've, I've had people that have uh, nearly hit me. I had a drunk driver run into my house. I call that severe distraction. Uh, and I've seen some distracted driving uh, on the road. You may be uh, seeing some of that now, wherever you are and whatever is it you're doing. I'm wondering what's the strangest thing you've seen while driving. We'll give you a little bit of time here before the 1230 report to sort of sound off on that on the AcuteHearingCenter.com phone line. 749 the big one, and pound 700 on AT&T. 
some 6,000 citations overall in three and a half years, 901 of those for distracted driving. This Columbus uh, police officer has written, gotten a lot of attention on, on fr- since Friday uh, in, in the midst of all of this. Uh, talking about it and uh, look between uh, d- devices that people I mean look I, I've seen people put ma- women putting makeup on I, I've seen people having sex while driving uh, I, I had a guy when I, I was uh, driving into work one day uh, he kept weaving back and forth behind me he come close to rear-ending me and, and then back off and then I'm stuck at a red light nearly rear-ends me again and then uh, the light turns green and we start to be rolling uh, where we got to go and I'm thinking this is only a matter of time there's nowhere for me to get, get here or there or whatever else and uh, in the distance and I cause, yeah, I'm watching then the rearview mirror and then all of a sudden uh, a woman's head bobs up uh, and she he, I didn't think he had a passenger but he ended up he had a passenger and uh, she was providing him some type of pleasure, let's just say, a sexual act. Uh, that was his distracted driving situation. Here on Montgomery Road, it happened two or three times. And the same woman, I think, but I'm not positive, I saw behind me uh, doing makeup while driving. And really, much more skill, much more capability than I would have. I, I don't know anything about putting makeup on. Even when I was doing TV stuff, it, it was just there was really little help it would do. And I'm not good at putting it on. And it's not like a Ken Brew kind of situation. I mean, he was on TV a lot. High definition would have killed me. And uh, it, it's a, it's a really disturbing thing. Yes, Big Dave's. You did TV. Yes, they had me do like an editorial piece kind of thing regularly on TV in Columbus. Until I said things they didn't want me to say, and then uh, I quit because they edited me. I don't need to get into that right now. Dean, 700 WLW uh, with Sterling. Uh, what have you seen, uh, what have you done uh, to be distracted while driving? How are you? How are you doing, Cheryl? I- I'm okay. What's up with you? Well, I, I was telling you, producer, uh, I saw a lady stopped at the stoplight. Mm-hmm. She had a cigarette in her mouth, a cup of coffee in her left hand, and she was doing her eyeliner with her right with her right hand. Now that's that's some skill. How was she driving though? Generally, she was stopped she, at that point. So well, I just stopped behind her and I let her go on ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Figured it was safer that way with her in front it of you. It was safer that way. I I just let her go on ahead, and then I just waited a while and. Uh, Made my turn. That, that's pretty good. I, I, I've seen some wild stuff too while driving. It's crazy. And is, is, you got kids in the car, that can be distracting and so forth. Right. I, I'm curious about this Super Bowl Sunday, of course, 49ers and Chiefs later on uh, tonight on 700 WLW. A lot of people going to be watching on TV as well. If, if right now uh, somebody said, here's a $5,000 ticket, uh, you can get to Miami, you can watch that game in person because that's the cheapest tickets available right now, or here's five grand, go gamble that at the sports book if you could go wager it. Uh, what, which would you prefer to do? I'm curious. I'd probably take the 5000 and disappear. I wouldn't gamble. <laughs> you, you'd look for an exit. You'd be like, oh, I got I'd it covered. for an exit. Oh, okay, that, that's fair enough. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. That's all right. You'd find a way around. See, Dave was trying to lawyer his way out with stipulations. You're like, nah, I'll take it. Then I'll just look for the exit. That, that's, that's, that's impressive. I'll look for the exit door. I got you. I'd be like, oh, I don't know how. I See, I'd take it. I'd get that ticket. Then I'd scalp that $5,000 ticket that's if we're right, going to play that right. game. Uh, Dean, I appreciate the call. It's always good to talk to you. That's tremendous. It's like, no. Oh, that's fine. And where'd Dean go? I see the seat's empty. I don't know where Dean went. 
I, I, I could see where that would be. 513-749-7800, the big one, pound 700 on AT&T. Uh, you, you know, the, the thing with the distracted driving, it, it's we've all done it, whether it's eating food, uh, you know, sometimes talking on the phone if you're not doing it hands-free. I don't know. That's not necessarily that much distraction. I've seen people reading the paper while driving. I've seen dudes shaving uh, while driving. Not like wet, like, you know, like shaving cream, shaving, but like with an electric razor. I suppose you could probably do that without too much distraction, but it seems like that's a little bit over the top. But uh, this cop in Columbus, some have said it's been a little uh, excessive, a little aggressive. Um, and it's been reported to Channel 6 up in Columbus. Uh, Keith Connor, 901 tickets, as, as I understand it right now, for distracted driving. Uh, that That's crazy. And it's more than just a revenue generator. Somebody just messaged me on, on Twitter at Sterling Radio said, ah, he's just uh, making money, just making money. Uh, tickets apparently can run somewhere in the neighborhood of $180 for being distracted while driving. I mean, it's a major problem. I am of the opinion at this point between people uh, getting hopped up on drugs, and, and, and whether it's alcohol or heroin or whatever else it is, or uh, being distracted by uh, devices. And I don't mean by, like, talking on the phone, people texting. And, I, and that's one thing that I see amazingly, texting, not paying attention, driving too fast. But th there's been a rash of people driving into front of houses, into businesses. I think a lot of it has to do with that. Maybe the, this cop's got the right thing. That's a lot of tickets. $180, that's a hell of a lot of revenue generated, too. Uh, Mike, 700-WLW, what's going on? What have you seen on the road? Yeah, hi, Sterling. Hey. Hi, Sterling. Uh, I understand you worked in Columbus, as I, as I was told. Yeah. I went to school in Columbus about 65 years ago. Okay, well, I wasn't and here I then. Remember, <laughs> I remember back then the, the driving was, was terrible in a lot of places, and I understand it hasn't improved all that much since then. But I'm curious to know uh, what part of Columbus was the hardest to drive through for you? Well, everything was about 20 minutes away. Rush hour sucks, whether you're here in Cincinnati, Columbus, oh, yeah. or, or wherever. Oh, you know. I'm from Cleveland originally. All right, so you know uh, from issues uh, like that. I mean, other, yeah. my, the biggest problem here, just like uh, I, Columbus was the same way as Cincinnati in this regard, if you say snow... Mm -hmm. Uh, all hell mm -hmm. breaks loose and people either, one, don't know mm -hmm. how to drive in it, unlike Cleveland where you're made for it. And I appreciate the call, Mike. Uh, but that was the big problem. Just people driving too fast and not enough room and, and, uh, you know, distraction is certainly a part of it too. I think that's a universal issue. But that's where this guy's written so many tickets. That, that seems, not even like a, just, just, I can't even imagine. That's just crazy. Anyway. 1230 report coming back. Dr. Ali Khan from the University of Nebraska Medical Center used to head the outbreak team, the people dealing with infectious disease like Ebola and now coronavirus. We'll get an update on what we know about it, what uh, we should be scared of or not so scared of. On the other side of your 1230 report, Sandy Collins has that more sterling coming back with a good doctor on 700 WLW. 700 WLW, sterling, fine Sunday afternoon. Super Bowl in a few hours. Kickoff here, 700 WLW. Of course, you'll be able to watch it on TV as well. Hopefully, maybe you listen to. And uh, it's 921. So th there you go. That, that's the. Hang on a second. We're having technical issues. That's accurate, by the way. So I don't know. Uh, we'll see how this goes. We're looking to get Dr. Ali Khan from the University of Nebraska on. He's the head of their. Uh, 
College of Public Health Epidemiology and also used to head the CDC's outbreak team effectively what going in when like the, the worst happens uh, like the movie outbreak and we're sort of dealing with that situation now which is uh, related to this coronavirus which is um, really much worse than I think that has been reported and no hang on a second here because I'm on the air it's kind of a difficult thing here uh, it's exactly as I wrote it Come look. No. Another three. Not the seven. Anyway, so we're trying to get him on the line as he waits. This is confusion. and uh, It's right here. Well, you don't need to try to prove a point, but, I mean, that's, that's the deal. And we're looking to see the details, okay? Anyway, so we'll get him on the line. Hopefully he hasn't disappeared in waiting. Um, and, and we'll go from there. Anyway, he's been all over the world. The last time or two that we've actually talked to Dr. Khan, he was in the South Pacific on loan for the World Health Organization in the midst of measles outbreaks, which has killed dozens of children and other people there, uh, which is somehow disturbingly uh, an issue even now in uh, 2020 uh, planet Earth. Uh, it's one of those things that you thought had been eradicated, sort of like the, the idea of uh, rickets and scurvy, uh, polio, which the vaccine has been out for decades, and that's also come back, and that's partially an anti-vax uh, sort of situation, as well as some other parts of the world where people are afraid, not just of the vaccine, but people who are experts coming in from the West for whatever reason, because they think, I guess, we're trying to cause problems rather than actually helping these people, which I don't really understand. Uh, but we'll see how it goes. Uh, the numbers keep changing when it comes to what is happening with this uh, coronavirus outbreak scenario. Uh, more and more people uh, being quarantined. There's now a mandatory quarantine situation with people coming into the United States or those found with it. It's going to be 14 days, as I understand it. Well, they'll put you in fact, what they've done in California, they've got a military base where they are keeping people there uh, who have come back from China. Uh, they had cases, a couple of them up at uh, Miami University, at least the thought that they may be. They're waiting to find out for sure uh, what it is, though these uh, young people, as I understand it, uh, whoever the infected possible characters are, uh, have been recovering from whatever infection they've had, but uh, waiting to find out if it's actually what they've been dealing with. So uh, either way, it's very unnerving, to say the least, uh, because it seems to be spreading uh, significantly more than initially uh, had been shared information-wise from China. And they're not exactly the most open uh, society in the first place and have uh, come out to have a massive uh, hospital undertaking of, of uh, construction and put together. They're, they're trying to build 200 hospitals, uh, which is or two hospitals, excuse me, in a short period of time. Uh, at this point, they've had uh, some 300 people confirmed dead. Uh, they have a thousand beds at the hospital. Uh, and they started construction just about two weeks ago, a week and a half ago, um, and uh, seeing exactly what that's going to be. And at this point, they've shut out a lot of flights from different places, too. And we got the good doctor on the line. So I don't know if that was my problem, if it was a, a problem with the computer system, whatever else, but hopefully we're in good shape. Dr. Ali Khan, uh, always a pleasure to talk to you. He's uh, the head of public health uh, preparedness and response to the CDC previously. World Health Organization still does some stuff on loan, like he plays for Premier League soccer, but he's trying to keep people healthy and keep them from dying. And the dean in the College of Public uh, Health and Epidemiology, 
Epidemiology, University of Nebraska Medical Center. As always, a pleasure to, to take uh, some of your time on a Sunday, which you should be kicking back and relaxing, but we got serious issues with coronavirus. So what is the latest? Good afternoon, uh, Sterling, and thank you for the opportunity to chat with you. Uh, so the latest is that the outbreak uh, is uh, a real public health emergency in China. They were it's up to about 14,000 cases at this point, and people may remember that uh, when I first talked about this in the beginning of January, uh, January with you, they were talking about 48 cases. Uh, so that's a big jump over the last uh, month, and now cases have been exported to 23 other additional countries, including the United States, and uh, we just announced our eighth case in the United States in Massachusetts yesterday. And we've had one family where an individual infected their spouse. So that's sort of a quick snapshot of what's going on. Dr. Khan, one of the things that's sort of scary, I think the term is asymptomatic, is the possibility that uh, if we were hanging out, I may not show symptoms, you may not show symptoms, yet we could pass that uh, infection on to other people. And before we know anything has happened, this has then maybe perhaps uh, been shared multiple times. Uh, Is that uh, accurate? Have I read and heard correctly? You're absolutely accurate, Sterling. So most people, it appears, are spreading disease while they're sick. However, we now have some really good examples of people infecting others in what's called the prodrome, so before they become sick. So they've been infected. They haven't really gotten sick yet, but during that asymptomatic or potentially mildly symptomatic period, they are infecting others, and we've had a really great example recently in Germany um, where an individual got infected from somebody who did not seem to have any symptoms. Uh, so starting in the beginning here, uh, what we know about the coronavirus uh, is apparently worse than SARS that got so much attention so many years ago. So can you explain what we're looking at? Is it very much like flu? Yes. It's respiratory? What? What is this? I'm glad to explain what it's what it looks like. So the disease itself is a severe acute respiratory disease. Uh, and uh, so it causes infection of your lung, and we do know about 2% of people so far are reported to die, and about 15 to 20% have severe disease. So that gives you a sense of what the disease looks like. Um, it's due to something called a coronavirus, and there's lots of coronaviruses, including the common cold is due to a coronavirus. But the ones we worry about are this group of coronaviruses um, that cause things like SARS, like the first SARS virus. These coronaviruses seem to live in bats, and then from bats, they make their way either directly or to some other animal that they're infected to humans, and that's called a spillover event. So the animals infect the humans, and then unfortunately, the humans then go on to infect other humans. And so that's how these outbreaks start. Specifically in China, uh, what is likely happened is what happened in SARS, which is there was some infected animal in some wet market somewhere that people got in contact with. And wet markets are animal are places with live animals where you go pick out your animal, your chicken or whatever, uh, or exotic animal you want to pick. So somebody probably got infected in a wet market and then spread that disease uh, slowly through the community. Comparing this to flu in the U.S., so far 
the last number I saw was about 10,000 people confirmed dead as a result of flu or complications from it. Uh, something like uh, nearly, not quite, 200,000 people hospitalized. That's what uh, we're a little more than halfway through the flu season, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, the way it moves, the way it, uh, I guess, continues to grow over time or it spreads, how does that compare to this particular coronavirus generally? That's a really good question, especially since the illness can seem uh, quite similar, but they're two separate diseases. So influenza is a human-adapted disease. It spreads easily from humans and human to human. It's got no other place to go but other uh, humans. Um, and the flu uh, virus that we're currently seeing in 10,000 is atrocious um, for a flu, pand- a flu routine flu year, but we can see anywhere between 10 and 50,000, 10 or 40. A thousand deaths any given year. What's, how to put this in perspective to you is that these 2% of deaths that we've seen are only in 15,000 people. So if you expand 2% up to 20 million people <laughs> in the U.S. who would get infected potentially during a flu year, that's a whole lot of more deaths. So, and, uh, so I don't like to make the comparison. It is a more severe disease, but I'm, Until we hear otherwise, this new SARS virus, this new novel coronavirus is an animal virus that potentially we can beat back into the bush. And flu viruses can't be beat back into the bush. When we talk about the term beating it back in the bush, Dr. Ali Khan, by the way, is a director of public health preparedness for the CDC previously, also has worked for the World Health Organization currently, though he still does stuff for them, just recently uh, with measles outbreaks in the South Pacific. Uh, has been all over the place dealing with these things. Now he is the dean of the College of Public Health and Epidemiology at the University of Nebraska Medical Center. Um, when you say beating it back into the bushes, uh, shutting down flights, uh, as some airlines have from China, and, and uh, isolating people as we have, I think uh, this is the first time there's been a CDC or government-ordered uh, quarantine scenario where there is not a voluntary deal for something like two weeks. Is that the right path, and what do you think is being done or should be done comparatively? Is this being done right? Okay, so uh, I use the term beating back into the bush because that's what we did with SARS. We beat it back, and and so potentially a containment effort could still work here, and that really requires aggressive public health measures. And the key measure is identify every case, you know, get them out of their household, get them into a hospital, and take care of them so they're not uh, infecting anybody else, and find all their contacts and make sure you're monitoring them so if they get sick, they don't infect anybody else. Um, probably these travel bans may be counterproductive and excessive and, uh, in the end, ineffective uh, because we now know that there's disease more widespread than China, and China is also our largest trading partner. Uh, so that's a lot of goods and services that we need to think about how do they move uh, across borders. Specifically talking about quarantine, uh, and, and that's a brilliant question on your part, Mr. Sterling, because the U.S. has mandated 14 days quarantine. And I think that's currently driven by the science, which has, when we started this conversation, you talked about how there may be people who aren't sick who are transmitting disease. And so if they're being quarantined, uh, and this is, these are mandatory quarantines, basically it's impossible while they're asymptomatic to transmit it to somebody else that they're quarantined. And so you monitor them through the quarantine period. They're no longer 
it's been, you know, they're no longer, you're, you're clear they don't have disease, and then you release them. Overall, from what you've seen over the years, you've been doing this a while. You've dealt with Ebola. You've uh, talked about dengue fever. Uh, you've, you've recently dealt with the, the issue of measles, which is still bewildering that that's out there, but uh, it is. Uh, e- even the fact that polio has uh, seen somewhat of a resurgence in different parts of the world because of the, the vaccine fear uh, and what have you. Um, how does this compare to different things that you have seen uh, in, in its rapid spread and uh, detection issues because and I was just talking off the air to, to uh, Ken Brew here uh, about this viruses are, are crazy interesting in, in that they, they find a way to adapt and overcome a, a, and try to get at whatever it is whether it's humans or other uh, creatures uh, to attack them and, and that in itself is is interesting and all get out but scary as they get out as well uh, so you're right. This is a pretty scary scenario when you've infected pretty much every province in China and a lot of the regional countries, and then you've been exporting cases worldwide, including evidence now of probably what some people would say casual exposure with a cab driver infected, a hotel receptionist infected, um, et cetera. So there's no doubt this is a pretty scary scenario. However, I'm going to side with the World Health Organization, uh, who says that there still may be a chance to contain this with excellent public health measures. And we all have a role to play in those public health measures, including here in the United States. So it's still flu season. And in the midst of a uh, coronavirus outbreak, the last thing we need if you're not sick is to be sick, to get sick, because that puts a burden on healthcare system. So have you gotten your flu shot? Are you washing your hands before touching your face? And often, are, did you quit smoking because smoking increases your risk of respiratory infections? And does your diet look great? Are you sleeping well? Are you exercising? So that helps keep you from getting sick, which is what we need to happen. And on the other hand, if you are sick, are you making sure you're covering your cough? Are you not coming to work <laughs> so you're not infecting somebody else? And if you've had exposure, are you being responsible about going to the hospital, telling them that, you know, you've been in China recently or have some other travel history? So there's things that we can do here in the United States to protect ourselves uh, currently. Very good. Well, I appreciate the insight, your availability. I know you're a busy guy and, uh, you know, another part of the country, but uh, you, you are always uh, very insightful and uh, seem to be calming in the midst of what, uh, if you flip on the TV or look at social media, which there's been some misinformation about that as well. Um, it, it's uh, nice to hear from someone who is certainly in the know. Uh, one final question. You used to oversee something that I believe the CDC controls, but it is a government uh, facility or multiple facilities that is a stockpile, as I understand it, uh, in case of infectious disease, uh, biological or chemical warfare scenario, or something like that, when it comes to medicines and, and, and different things to sort of clamp down on or push, uh, push back uh, anything that might be spreading here. How is that maintained, and, and uh, are they doing those type of things still currently? Because that's an interesting thought when you look at a country of 330 million, give or take. Uh, something like that is certainly probably necessary in multiple locations, probably. Yes, correct. And the U.S. has been very forward-thinking in maintaining what's called the strategic national stockpile, and those are critical materials and drugs and biologics that are available for chemical, biological, nuclear terrorism, or a large uh, pandemic and includes all sorts of personal protective equipment, and we've used it previously 
during the H1N1 uh, outbreak. So, yes, that is still maintained in the United States, still available, and the strategic national stockpile is mirrored with another activity, with another wonderful acronym, uh, and their job is to help develop the brand-new drugs uh, and other antibiotics and other materials. And I know they're in the midst of that right now. There's a global effort to think about what vaccines or drugs may look like, but those are probably six to nine months to a year down the line. Um, and so this is a good time to rem- remind your audience about, you know, what can they do to protect themselves and stay healthy. Very good. As always, thank you so much for your time. He's Dr. Ali Khan, Dean of the College of Public Health and Epidemiology, University of Nebraska Medical Center, and used to uh, actually oversee the uh, public health preparedness response teams for the CDC when stuff like uh, coronavirus or this uh, form of SARS of sorts from China uh, starts creeping around here and there. Thank you, as always, for your time and your insight. You're a good man. All right. Thank you very much. And always a pleasure to chat with you. I can always assure that you're going to give people brilliant information and not any fake news. So thanks for that. Thank you, Dr. Khan. I appreciate the kind words as well. Quick break. Come back. More Sterling. 700 WLW. Sandy Collins is coming up with your 1 o'clock report. Please know what's going on here, there, and everywhere else. Tim McGee joins us. Former Bengal, been to the Super Bowl. Let us know about uh, what it's like leading up to it and a whole lot more. And then he'll be on with Chick Ludwig later on, getting ready for kickoff right here. I'm Sterling. This the home of the Reds and the Super Bowl today. 700 WLW Cincinnati. Lots going on. Beautiful Sunday afternoon in the Tri-State. Not quite as warm as Miami, but close. No palm trees. No Super Bowl here. It's happening down there. I remember the journey to Miami. Bengals. They'll get there again, maybe. Maybe Joe Burrow under center. Maybe. Maybe he's a quarterback. Could be. Don't doubt it. It's possible. you got to believe. got to hold out hope. I think the Reds are probably a little bit closer. It looks that way. Uh, lots to do. Uh, by the way, uh, Michael uh, D. Wall from Space.com going to join us after uh, 2 o'clock. Uh, talk on stuff going on lost in space and uh, all kinds of other stuff related to that. Uh, but the huge game. Super Bowl 54. 49ers, Chiefs, going at it. A guy who's been there, he wore those Bengals stripes. He'll be uh, on with Chick Lugwig a little bit later after I get out of here to get you ready for the game up to kickoff. Uh, this is a conversation we had the other night. Maybe you missed it. Uh, here's a taste of uh, his insight, his perspective uh, on the big one. Tell me, as you, you lead up to this, in that window of time from that last playoff game to that championship game, that Super Bowl, what goes on? I mean, we know the media and all the other stuff. Do you want that to come quicker? Is that time able to, to allow you some healing, to be prepared? How does one process and cope with that? Well, there's, there's, there's a couple of segments here. The, 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 once the AFC or NFC championship games end, you have that two weeks lull, if you will. A week you stay at home, then a week you go down and, uh, you're in the middle of all the hoopla you're practicing. But, you know, you get a couple of days off right after the AFC and the NFC championship games. That's where the calm, that's the calm before the storm. Uh, when I, when I reflect back on, the time we went to the Super Bowl, obviously we wasn't expected to be there. We were like the 49ers. We had a flip season, so we, we were absolutely awful one year. We were in the Super Bowl the next year. But it's such a time that you're ready to just get down, and in our case, back to more. We were trying to get to Miami just to get away from the local, hoop, the local hoopla, the, the family, the tickets, the travel arrangement, who's going to be where. You, you, there was so much planning and logistics that you had to satisfy before you got to Miami. When we arrived in Miami, it was just kind of like, okay, great. 
But then you get to the point where, you know, man, I'm just tired. I want to get this damn game over with just to get to the stadium will be a relief just for warm-ups because now it becomes, as a as players say, it just becomes another game. But that's when you are warming up and you start the first quarter. Prior, prior to that, it's a pain in the you-know-what because it's, it's out of your comfort zone. It is not something you, norm, you, you, you can normalize. It's, it's so much hoopla. It's so much, it basically becomes a pain in the rear end is what it becomes. In, in the midst of all of that, as you look back and you think about these young men that are playing this game and, and looking to, to really make history in their own way, and what looks to be, at least according to Vegas and, and prognosticators, almost an evenly matched kind of affair, 15-3, 49ers, 14-4 Chiefs, uh, I, I, do, you, do you see some differences that are glaring that make you say, okay, it's the Chiefs or it's the 49ers? I'm, I'm sweet on the Chiefs, but everybody else seems to think where the money is going is fairly even. You know what, and that's only because the Chiefs' strength matches the 49ers' strength, strength and, 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 and vice versa. So with that being said, I think when you look at these games, it's always who's going to be the unsung hero. Who's, who are we not talking about that will shine? That defensive guy, that guy that makes that interception, a pick six, the, uh, the, the running back who we, we didn't really have in the plans, he gains 150 yards and three touchdowns. That's who's going to have the impact on the game. Because let's just face it, you have a superstar in Patrick Mahomes. Yes. They are not going to stop Patrick Mahomes. He may stop himself, but the 49ers and no other defense out there. And here's the reason why. It's not just Patrick Mahomes. He has an offensive line that's going to protect him. He has wide receivers that are just as good as any receiver core in the in, in the National Football League. He has a genius mind in the offensive coordinator as Eric Bieniemy, and he has a genius mind as and the head coach as Andy Reid. So he has all the tools. The question is on the other side of the ball. Will it be a track meet? Because we know if the 49ers don't score and score often, which we saw them do against our beloved Cincinnati Bengals, the, the, the Kansas City Chiefs is one team that has the ability to get behind three touchdowns or maybe even four with time. If time a lot, they can come back. So you got to make sure. And I know we always hear this, girl. We always hear this. It drives me nuts. Oh, our game plan is to keep him off the field. If we keep him off the field, well, guess what? If you kept Michael Jordan off the coat, off the court and then you kept him in foul trouble, yes, that would happen. But guess what? More than likely, that's not going to happen. It's what you're going to do when he's on the field. That's going to count. And I am a, uh, I am rooting for the Chiefs because A is the AFC. Eric, the enemy is a former teammate. Yep. So there's some ties there. And I just think they have the better team, but not by a lot, but I think they have a better team. In, in the midst of all of this, how hard is it? To, it's different now. When, when you played and when you were there, there was not this social media element. And these guys live it. They breathe it. It's a part of their branding. It's a part of their social life and uh, a way to decompress in some cases. But in, whether it was then or whether it's now, how does one, aside from trying to take care of family and friends and the logistics of everything else, aside from the team getting you there and making sure you're prepared to go and all the media, how, how does one just disconnect, turn it off, and focus? Or is that an impossibility? That's an impossibility. What you have to do is embrace it. 
You embrace it, and you manage it. And then when I say embrace it, it's coming. You know it's going to come because we only have the print and the and and the the camera or the the TV. Right. They have social media. So with that being said, this is a week. Enjoy it, guys. You know, last week, enjoy it. Enjoy it, enjoy it, embrace it. Go out on your social media pages, whether it's Facebook, whether it's Instagram, Snapchat, or Twitter, or whatever. Go for it, go for it, go for it. When you get to Miami, things change. Now we're in business mode. Yeah, there's some obligations from a media standpoint that the NFL mandates that we must attend, but we are now focusing, and the closer we get to the game, the coaches and the organization will tighten the reins to make sure the players are now looking at it from a laser opposed to looking at it from a broad view a week and a half ago. You're in the Super Bowl. Now it's time to focus on what we came down here for. It is a business trip, and you're going to feel a lot better if you win opposed to you lose it. And trust me, I know that. From a, from a personal standpoint. Absolutely, you do. He's Tim McGee at Geeter85 on Twitter. as that post-game show for those football Bengals on Sundays and whenever they play with Chick Lugwig giving us some time. Uh, talking Super Bowl 54 in Miami, 49ers at Chiefs. Uh, only in that they are technically the home team. Uh, when, you, when you look back at this and you look at the time that has passed, and you focus on a lot of guys go and they follow the game. They show up at the game. That you know they go through and do some stuff. We, we've heard some guys in the last couple of days talking about stuff. Carson Palmer's come out and said some things about Joe Burrow and, and the, the situation with the Bengals. Let me ask you that before we get to what you're doing for this Super Bowl and, and what you do to prepare. If you're having a cookout, you got friends over, you're traveling. I don't know. You live a different kind of lifestyle than a lot of us, Tim McGee. I probably just sit at home and watch it with my family because Super Bowl is not that big of a deal to me, I'll just be honest with you, and simply because it's bittersweet, Cheryl. We played in it, and I, I'll never forget, it was one of the worst games that game experiences that I had dealt with during my career. It was a huge letdown to lose the game. It was a letdown. It wasn't until, I would say, five to seven years uh, after the game that I really got back in, and back engaged to the Super Bowl when I saw my career come into a kind of end and I didn't have a chance to go back because that's the mentality of an athlete. You think you're going to be back next year. The L.A. Rams thought we're going to be back next year. The New England Patriots thought we're going, if we just tweak this and we add this, we'll be back. And we never made it back. And if we you, never came close to making it back. Tim McGee, if you don't have that attitude, that, that expectation, that desire, that hunger, you, you don't have a shot at getting back because you're not really playing the way one would as a competitor. At least that's what outside looking in is sort of what it reminds me of, the way you say that. Yeah, but, but what happens is there's building blocks to make it back. You don't start off the season saying, we're going to the Super Bowl. You start off the season saying, we are going to win our division yes. and qualify for the playoffs. Once we qualify for the playoffs, we, we want to win every week, one week at a time, because if you win, you will end up in the Super Bowl. If you prepare for the Super Bowl and you, and you play the game and you win that game, you're the Super Bowl champion. So you've got to look at it from a one, two, three, four-step process when it comes to the playoffs, depending on if you're in a wild card or not. But once you make it, Thurl, every player thinks, oh, man, we can just duplicate what we did last year or this year, depending on when it ends. We can just duplicate that, and we'll be back. And you know what? The, the, the management, they're going to add an offensive lineman, a receiver, whatever, and then we're going to be even bigger and better and stronger and faster, and we're going to be a better team. 
and it doesn't work out that way. It's hard to repeat unless you're the New England Patriots. It's just hard to get back, and we never got back to the Super Bowl. We never came close. So the Super Bowl experience to all of us, when you look back, back in the days when the, after the hair recedes and the body <laughs> breaks down, you look back and you cherish that moment then, but during your career, you're like, man, that game was the worst game I had played. And I'm not talking about from a performance standpoint. It's like, no, you don't go as a competitor. You don't want to go to the Super Bowl to say, I went to the Super Bowl. I played the Super Bowl. Oh, you want that ring. That. You want to win the Super Bowl. That's right. All right, now you mentioned something about all those pieces and, and, and those building blocks, effectively, of getting to that game and getting that ring and to raise that Lombardi trophy. Uh, Carson Palmer, just in the last couple of days, came out and, and sort of had some pointed things to say about Joe Burrow and coming to Cincinnati and them not building what they needed to build to get to that point again in his time and even now. We, we've discussed this in one fashion or another, but while we got here, here Tim McGee, i got to ask, do, do you agree with that? Do you think it's appropriate for him to be talking? Talking to somebody like that, not that somebody has really that much of a choice when it comes to who's going to be drafting them and when. Well, it, it, it pains me, and it shouldn't pain Carson Palmer to tell the truth. Right. You know, I, I, I get the same criticism sometimes because people sometimes people say, well, you're not loyal. It's like, I, I'm very loyal, but I'm also telling the truth. Well, that's why I like talking to you, because you, you do yeah. sort of lay it out there the way you see it. Yes, my vocal cords are only representing what my eyes and my exp- life experiences have gone through. So in, in Carson's case, basically what he's saying is, I was a franchise quarterback. I was the number one pick, and they didn't put the tools that were necessary and the personalities around me for us to be successful. So therefore, I haven't, this Carson Palmer's message, haven't seen any indications that the, the Brown family has changed their ways that's going to be different from when I was the franchise quarterback. That's all he's representing. Hey, but remember something. We're all still rooting for them to change. It's just when change doesn't happen, we do have that, well, here we go again. And the reason we have that here we go again, because that's the only feeling we've ever known here. It's good to have some truth, though. I mean, it's never bad to tell the truth, and that that's in any part of life, at least as far as I'm concerned, unless it's my, the mom or grandma letting you know, or your wife or girlfriend asking you how those pants look on her in the backside. You're like, oh, it looks good, because you don't, you don't want to get yourself in trouble. <laughs> Let's bring it back to Super Bowl 54, Tim McGee. 49ers to Chiefs in Miami. Do you have a prediction? You mentioned, like me, you know, aside from the connection that you have with the enemy, uh, the Chiefs being your favorite, but what do you see this playing out to be? because they are so effectively evenly matched other than that wild card, which we don't know until it happens. I I think what you're going to see in the actual game is how will they execute the game plans as in, you know Kansas City is going to score some points. If the 49ers choose to be a conservative-style offense and not come out and try to outscore the Chiefs, I think they're going to be in trouble. You have to outscore them. You cannot look on the other side of the field and say we are trying to keep Patrick Mahomes on the sideline. No, you go, hey, listen, this is one game that we're going to need to score 40 points to win. You just face it. Don't be a, that's who you are if you're the 49ers. Kansas City, your defense just got to make seven, seven to eight stops in the game, and you know your offense is going to bring it. So I'm going with Kansas City. I'm going with Kansas City in a high-scoring game. Uh, I think the, the, the weather is conducive for a high-scoring game. 
and the hoopla is going to be there. The only thing I'm worried about is the halftime, how the teams will adjust to that long, drawn-out halftime. Because trust me, it is really hard on your body after you've played in that first half in 80 to 85-degree weather, and then you're uh, obviously your body is spent. You've expand, you expended so much energy. How are they going to come back out and regain that energy? Uh, Isaiah, I think halftime. I, and normally these halftime shows aren't you know whatever. But I think Shakira, I think Jennifer Lopez, I, I think multi generational love. I think it's an easy good distraction for me. But that's just me selfish at home or anywhere. It doesn't even matter. I'm just saying. <laughs> All right, Tim I, McGee. I feel, I feel the same way. Good talking to Tim McGee, former Bengal. Super Bowl 23. We will flash back a little bit. Uh, oh, wait a minute. Hold on. I'm just imagining the hips for a minute. Is that wrong? And if, I, if that's wrong, I, I don't want to be right. Mm. Representing Colombia. And then Jennifer Lopez together also. Halftime show. I, I don't know. You'll get a chance probably not to hear it, but to see it. So you can listen to the game here, which will follow uh, Chick Ludwig and, and Tim McGee. Uh, we heard uh, from Tim uh, representing him in perspective and insight to a Super Bowl and what it's like to be in it and his thoughts on the game and everything else. He was in 23. We'll go back to uh, 16. Dave Lapham going to talk to us after uh, the 130 report. We'll get him on the line and uh, see what's going on. Sandy Collins will give us an update on everything else that's happening as well. Michael D. Wall from Space.com going to join Join us uh, just after 2 o'clock, talk on space issues, stuff that's going on there like Space Force, uh, a controversy with the logo, new uh, crazy cool pictures of the surface of the sun, the best high-resolution shots we've seen so far. Uh, You can't get too close to the sun because you effectively vaporize, which would be bad. It's a one-shot deal that happens, and then it's the end of us. Uh, but looking at it, it's kind of nice. That's Sterling Radio on Twitter. You can sort of see it. I, I uh, took one uh, that was uh, license-free because you don't want to get in trouble. I don't think the sun will come after us, but who are those who are photographing it might. Uh, but that, that's on the, sort of the background there on Twitter at Sterling Radio. Uh, we'll talk on uh, some Super Bowl stuff with Grub, uh, whether you're doing it at home, whether you're doing it away, you're taking it low-key, uh, how, how you're watching, if you're watching, if you care. Uh, some people just uh, are against it. A lot of people, it's all about the commercials. All about the commercials. And, and you know, and talk about bang for the buck, because people, t- they release some of the commercials before, and then everybody talks about them before. It's a lot. What a change it's been since the early days uh, of the, the Super Bowl and what it's become. And, and something very disturbing, and I didn't believe this, and I've done research on it. We, we should try to get a doctor on to confirm this. I don't know how often it actually happens. But apparently there are a significant number of people, uh, mostly in the United States, but obviously viewership is global. It's a big deal. Super Bowl 54, 49ers, Chiefs. I, I pick the Chiefs. Not that it matters, but I do. Uh, but uh, here's the deal. There are people who end up in the emergency room because they can't tear themselves away from uh, viewing the game. And I don't mean like they coughed up the cheapest ticket available right now, that $5,000 to go see the game in Miami, right, rather than wagering it or keeping that 5000 and watching on TV. They can't tear themselves away from the TV or the radio, I suppose you could take us with you and it'd be okay, to relieve themselves. Uh, maybe they, they, they can't hold it to halftime when a whole lot of people go, and maybe they don't want to miss the, the ads and they don't want to miss Shakira and Jennifer Lopez, but they have physical health problems to the point they have to go get medical attention because they've, they've had, you can't hold certain things for certain periods of time, too much bad things happen. 
I, I don't know. There's some there's some defect mentally. At some point, you got to go. It's a game. I'm not playing. It's a great game. I can hit rewind. I can watch the DVR. I can check out the highlights. When I gotta go, I gotta go. You know what I'm saying? I, I it just. Or you can play like an astronaut and put on a diaper. Maybe it's me. Dave Lapham on the other side talking about the Super Bowl. Lots more Sterling straight away. Uh, an update on everything going on in a horrible uh, bus crash situation uh, with someone losing their life a church bus earlier uh, today. Uh, bad news uh, about that, obviously. Coronavirus update and everything else. Uh, Sandy Collins has that. And then uh, we'll come back and talk uh, to Dave Lapham. I'm still trying to process the bathroom situation. Holding it till the point you have to go to the emergency room because you can't you know, step away from the Super Bowl. People need help. Medicaid. As a young man, it was an exciting time. It was hope and it sprung eternal in the belief that the Bengals would get there and stay there and dominate in the Super Bowl. And well, we heard from Tim McGee a little bit ago, uh, and then uh, a little bit before that, uh, one Dave Lapham uh, wearing uh, bags on his feet to stay warm. I, I don't know if, the, if it was folklore is true, like a homeless person to stay warm. And, and I just talked to him off the air about this. I've heard more people <laughs> say they were at that Freezer Bowl game, which was leading up to Super Bowl sixteen. Uh, in Detroit, by the way, in that dome, if I'm not mistaken, where it was nice and toasty warm than I ever could have possibly been in the old Riverfront Stadium. Dave, welcome. Uh, good to talk to you on 700 WLW. As always, you hear him doing the games uh, and just sounding as tremendous as uh, it could always be. Um, did you really put bags on your feet to try to cut the wind in the cold? <laughs> Morning, Sterling. I should say afternoon, Sterling. How are you doing on good. Super Bowl Sunday? Yeah, my thought was I, I'm from the Northeast originally from the Boston area. That's right. So I'm like, yeah, you know, I can handle that. Uh, I can handle cold. Well, this was this was more than cold, that's for sure. And I knew that if uh, your feet get cold, you're dead. So I, I put on a a, uh, a pair of socks, plastic bags, and then another pair of socks to kind of insulate. And uh, it did it helped keep my feet warm. But of course, uh, I, I was one that wanted to do, uh, to go sleeveless because. I was going against the guy that uh, his his a big tactic was to grab. He was a grabber, hmm. so I didn't want to have extraneous cloth in my arms, and so we went sleeveless. And the all, all whole offensive line decided we'd all do it. And, uh, they let us put Vaseline on our skin, so I put Vaseline on my arms. And she was like, "Well, you're not supposed to have Vaseline on there." I said, "Well, it says Vaseline on exposed skin are the rules of the day." And he's like, "I guess you're right." So it, it all worked out pretty well, as I, I as I. Uh, I recall it, and it was a little psychological effect as well when they came out and they had, uh, you know, sweatshirts with hoods and hand, hand warmers and everything else. So I thought, hey, you know, we might have them a little bit psychologically, we'll see. It's just, ins- just insane. And as a kid, uh, just watching and leading up to it, I mean, it was everything. It was all we lived and breathed and thought about it, and you were preparing in a different way. Uh, and then, of course, getting to the Super Bowl, which was a whole other uh, kind of a world of excitement. Not the outcome we would have hoped for, but uh, just just tremendous game and, and uh, just the outcome went the other way. Dave Labham, i got to ask you, uh, before we get to Super Bowl talk, uh, there has been uh, the discussion about Joe Burrow, uh, first-round pick, if he's going to be one of those things the Bengals actually make a move on, if they could possibly avoid taking him for some reason. Um, and, and the idea, you know this, is an offensive lineman. Does it matter who's there until they get that completely tuned up and fixed because Andy Dalton has spent more time on his back the last couple of years than a lot of sex workers. <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's a very interesting analogy. Andy would appreciate that one. But, uh, <laughs> well, you know. Yeah, I, think, <laughs> I think that, uh, I think that once you, if you have, a, uh, have an opportunity to, to pick a guy who is checking every box the way Joe Burrow seems to be checking every box, and yeah, I know that a year, a year ago, before this, 
he was probably third round, fourth round pick in a lot of people's estimation. And then uh, there was a, a confluence of, of things that happened. Um, they brought in this uh, Joe Brady. They they got him from the New Orleans Saints, and he he brought in all these these, these pass schemes from the Saints uh, to the LSU. And LSU had been very archaic in their offensive approach and philosophy. And they'd always had great players, but they were so simple that uh, they, they weren't real difficult to prepare for. Well, in comes this New Orleans Saints passing attack, um, you know, w- with a guy named Joe Brady and, and Joe Burrow, who absorbs information uh, as well as anybody does, really starts to uh, thrive under this system. So he's running an NFL-style passing attack. And he has the greatest season a college quarterback ever had. That's insane. 77% of his passes and, and counting for 65 touchdowns. It was crazy. And they both uh, did well for each other. I mean, Joe Brady right now is the offensive coordinator of the Carolina Panthers as a result of what happened. Uh, and uh, Joe Burrow, one of Heisman, is about to probably be the number one pick in the draft. So they both made millions. And uh, they both were great for each other. But, it, it, you know, sometimes timing and and who you know and who you're with and all those things in life uh, are the most important things in your life. And, and they just, man, it was almost like, you know, it was ordained. It was, you know, the, the football god said, we will, we will connect uh, uh, Joe Brady and Joe Burrow, and beautiful, beautiful things will happen, and they certainly have for both of them. Uh, it's, it's true. Uh, looking forward to you know seeing exactly how that plays out. I mean, you always think about the best talent in, in the situation, and uh, here we are. I mean, the Super Bowl... Uh, you can always debate, you know, if, if one thing had gone one way or another, what teams are actually going to be there. But uh, 6.30 kickoff, you'll hear the game here on 700 WLW, whether you watch it or otherwise. 49ers, Chiefs going at it. Dave Lapham, you've been there. Uh, here we are. It's uh, literally 19 minutes away from 2 o'clock Eastern time in Miami. Uh, and uh, weirdly enough, our weather not drastically colder than there. Uh, right. and, and about 50 degrees warmer than you played that game against the Chargers uh, all those years ago. What is going on uh, right now with these guys in preparation, and how much different is it from a regular game day, let alone a playoff? Well, the uh, the haze and the bond in terms of preparation, and the biggest thing about the Super Bowl, and even more so than way back to Bowl 16 in 1982, January of 82, is the length of time. Uh, but it was, there was a big difference. There was a huge difference in uh, when you had your final warm-ups and, and when pregame introductions went on. Then there was a, a delay from pregame introductions to the start of the game. Everything is so drawn out because, you know, there's gazillions of dollars of commercials that have to run and everybody has to get their packages in in terms of network. And, I mean, it's just it's, it's a made-for-TV event, obviously. It's, it's reality TV at its uh, purest form. But, uh, you know, timeouts seemed like they took forever. It, everything just took – halftime was – in eternity, you know, in the NFL, it's 20 minutes uh, during the regular season. It's much longer than that during the Super Bowl. So the whole dynamic of it is hurry up and wait. And I do remember, um, you know, I, I had an adrenaline rush. I started thinking about the game in a much too, um, you know, serious fashion about an hour and a half before kickoff. And I got a big adrenaline rush, and it was like, oh, no. You know, I felt like I could lift the stadium, but I knew it was way too early. And you have an adrenaline rush like that. You know, it fatigued you. I felt like I wanted to take a nap, and I'm like, man, I hope you know. I hope I catch another one of these waves here before the game starts. And it, and it did. It worked out. But it, so it, it's weird. It's just it, it does a number on your body, on your body clock. I think is is a big adjustment you have to make in the Super Bowl. And, and until you've experienced it, people can talk to you about it, and 
and you can you know think okay well I'll handle this that that way and this that way, but until you go through it, that's why I think Super Bowl experience is is huge. I mean anybody that has played in the game um, is is got a big big leg up because of all the factors just discussed. Dave Lapham, I mean these teams, these Forty ers and Kansas City Chiefs seem relatively evenly matched. Uh, obviously there's a difference in the the quarterbacks and the capabilities, uh, the way these guys are, are made up to be. Um, and these teams are somewhat different as far as the weaponry that they have going at it. Do you think this high-scoring game, not so much? How do you see this matchup? Yeah, I do. I think it is going to be a high-scoring, close football game. But I thought last year's Super Bowl was going to be high-scoring, and uh, the Rams put three points on the board. Hey, I thought they'd <laughs> score a lot more than three points. You just never know. You know, every every uh, football game is different. You could play, you know, it's just like in, in baseball uh, or any any of the other major sports, best of five, best of seven. You know, each and every game is different. Each and every matchup can have some differences to it. When you're only playing one game and you don't know, you know, who's going to bring their A game, who's not, um, you know, who's going who's gonna to really uh, supersede expectations in terms of what the coaches are projecting a contribution might be. And you just you never know. You never know who's going to be the – the hero, you know, and uh, sometimes they come out of nowhere. Sometimes they're the expected hero. Other times they're not. It's like, oh, I didn't think this guy was going to make the, the deciding play to win a, win a big game like this. But that's the, that's the beauty of, uh, of sports. But it is interesting because you look at the Kansas City Chiefs, they're a scoring juggernaut. The 49ers have five former first-round draft picks in their defensive line. So if you're going to pick a defensive football team to be able to control Mahomes, it would be a pass rush that the 49ers can can employ without having to blitz and keeping extra people back in coverage to kind of curtail, you know, uh, spaces, open spaces in the field that Mahomes might be able to take advantage of. So you're thinking, you know, that's strength against strength. How's that going to play out? And then looking at the 49ers running the football the way they can, uh, that had been a hamstring of uh, Achilles' heel, actually, uh, for the Kansas City Chiefs. But down the stretch, the last seven games of the regular season through the playoffs, they were much better. Will they be able to to slow down the great running game the 49ers have. That's not necessarily strength on strength. So it's going to be interesting how this whole thing plays out. But I do anticipate it could be a, you know, a 34-31, you know, type football game when all said and done. But that said, it'll probably be seven to three. <laughs> yeah, that's one of those things. You know, like the old, like sort of Chicago Bears and Green Bay kind of games, or whatever else. It seemed like it was all the, the big defense just beating the hell out of each other. Right, you know, right, different kind of scenario. The other thing is how people react and deal with this. Some people melt down the pressure, the delay that you described, where everything is drawn out more. Some people handle it better. Some rise, some melt. Uh, in the midst of all that, too, and we just never really know. That's sort of the magic of it. Uh, maybe you're a little partial, certainly, as we know you as a Bengal and a guy who's uh, given an analyst, and I always enjoy you in the the locker room, win or lose. In some ways, losing, uh, it, it's more compelling to hear you in the locker room after these Bengals games, which I know is not the most comfortable for you, let alone those guys. But right. uh, as you look at this, um, what stands out as far as, when you watch these games, uh, I talked to Tim McGee about this, and you know his attention to it is not quite the same as maybe somebody who hasn't played, who hasn't been there. Do you get as keyed up and excited watching this Super Bowl as you do a regular football game that you're covering? Is it more relaxing? Are you indifferent? How does Dave Lapham approach this? Yeah, I mean it's it's not. Um, I, I don't I don't watch it with the same attention that I would if I were you know calling the game. 
because um, you're not, you can't really see everything that you, you'd see if you were in a broadcast booth calling the game. Right. You're, you're limited to what the, the, the decide to show you from a, a camera angle standpoint and shots uh, by the director. So, you know, I mean, I, I don't mind it. That's an advantage. Like, my first attention is always in the pits, always at the offensive and defensive line. And I just widen my vision as, as well as I possibly can to see as much as I can. And, uh, and that action activity always takes me to the football. And then I can see who did things right, who did things improperly uh, during the course of the play. Uh, you know, so I never watch the ball. I watch everything but the ball. And I don't watch the ball when I'm watching on TV either. I watch the pitch first and then, you know, it takes me to the, to the football. You can't get as wide a view as you would if you were in a broadcast booth calling the game. So it is a little bit different. Um, but, you know, I, I, I do. I guess I'd probably pay attention uh, to to the screen more so than the casual fan would. I, you know, I, I'm definitely more focused on things that I want to try to watch to uh, get keys to, you know, is it a run, is it a pass, what type of run is it, who's doing what, that kind of thing. Gotcha. But the only thing that hasn't changed in the game from uh, your day uh, on the offensive line for those football Bengals uh, to Tim McGee to Rocky Boyman as he bounced around and got himself a ring uh, to this game that's going on in Miami with a 6:30 kickoff on the big one, 49ers and Chiefs. As I understand it, effectively, is you know back when there was a very little helmet, a leather helmet, uh, pads. Now you know you, the, the hands off and, and weirdness the way stuff goes in replay. But the ball is effectively, I'm told, the same in the way it's put together, other than. And like whose name has been emblazoned on or burnt into that uh, pig flesh? Uh, that that's effectively the same thing. Other than you talked about what Vaseline uh, being allowed to, that day when you played outside here when it was so damn cold, it's the football in the, that hundred yards, right? In that width of that field, everything else has sort of been a variable and change and in athletes and, and preparation and so forth. But the football itself is effectively the same deal. Yeah, yeah, it is. Other than Tom Brady will tell you that he had to sit out a few games because of Deflategate. How, how how inflated or deflated that football is, right? You know, it can be, it can have a different uh, different feel to it. But you know, you're right. I mean, it's almost like um, you know when you uh, the movie Hoosiers, when a coach uh, basically says to his uh, to his guys, you know, they're tremendous underdogs. He goes, "Look, the basketball floor we're playing on." He takes the tape measure and measures the length of the court, the width of the court, the height of the baskets. He goes, these are all the same dimensions. You're playing on all your own. What people say, uh, the, the actual arena that you're in, it's the exact same space. It's, it's everything you're familiar with. It's up to you. It, 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 nothing, nothing that you've grown uh, accustomed to during the course of the season is going to change. And you're right. I mean, it's the same, same type of thing. Um, you put your pads on the same way. You'll, uh, depending on the weather, and the, if the weather's cooperative, you're gonna put your uniform on the exact same way you have all season long, and, uh, and you're gonna go out and try to play the game, and, and you control it. You know, nobody else controls it. You're in control of your own destiny. That's an individual, and then each component, you know, determines which team, um, you know, wins or loses football games. So yeah, it's it's uh, you, you can't you can talk yourself out of performing the way you need to perform that's for sure you the enormity of it can can get to you well, because it, you you understand that um you know when i remember the offense got introduced when i was at super bowl 16 and i remember running down the tunnel of people and i can't remember my feet hitting the ground i mean you're so sky high it's like 
man, you just you get, you almost have to control, you know, reel yourself in a little bit, and that's that's what I think is the biggest challenge because it is just a football game. It's an amazing thing, Dave Lappin, when I think about it, because most kids start out playing in the backyard or in the front yard or even playing tackle in the streets because we were, we're right in the head in my my neighborhood. But uh, you're you're thinking about getting to the Super Bowl, and then you finally get there. Uh, you played the Super Bowl in Detroit in the Silverdome, which is no longer there, uh, inside. And, of course, they're in Miami, uh, outside, where it's going to be a, a tad bit warmer than here. Overall, the element of weather as a fan and somebody who's never played competitively other than just with friends goofing off, do you want to be inside? Do you want to be outside? Because there is something about the weather and that idea of frozen tundra, which, of course, is maybe why New York may never get the game again, you know, again or, or consequentially speaking when it comes to a Super Bowl. Where do you want to play? Yeah, I mean, if the, if the weather conditions are, are favorable, if there's not a huge wind, you know, if there's not, uh, you know, precipitation, if it's, a, if it's a, just a very uh, beautiful fall day, you'd love to play outside all day, every day. Um, you know, because in, in, one thing I will I do remember very vividly about Super Bowl 16, you allowed to smoke in the stadiums in the in the domes back then, and that place was dingy, man. It was smoke filled. I mean, it was almost <laughs> like you were in the back you were the back room of some burlesque bar or something. You know, I mean, it was smoky as hell in there. I'll, I'll never forget that. So at least when you're outside, if they're smoking, it's not going to hang in there. And, and uh, you know, you, you, I I'm, I remember thinking. <laughs> Man, that's crazy. It's, it's a little bit no big smoke eaters like going to the casinos in Vegas. It's certainly right. it's different, and the crowd's different too for the Super Bowl because we're talking the cheapest ticket available now is five thousand dollars, and that's not the case when you're playing on an everyday any given Sunday in Cincinnati or on the road anywhere else too. How does that affect? I guess you're probably so much in the zone doing what you do. Does it make any difference at all when it comes to the crowd? Because it's usually not your crowd or the visitors' crowd. It's a cacophony of uh, of uh, high rollers. Yeah, that's it, it's it's turned into a corporate uh, corporate game. There's no question about that. I mean, it's uh, it's it's almost it's it's almost a uh, a very sterile crowd now. It's not it's not uh, you know big big uh, favor of, of either team really, and it's it's not as boisterous, it's not as wild as crowds normally are. It's you know it, it's a corporate uh, you know um, concert clap type crowd type of uh, atmosphere. We did feel fortunate though playing in Detroit being so close. A lot of people. They drive up from Cincinnati to Detroit, you know, to, to get to the Super Bowl. It wasn't it wasn't that burdensome a trip, so we felt like we did have, uh, you know, many fans that were able to, to make that football game. But it has because of the price. I mean, back then the prices were, you know, nowhere near like we're talking about today. And it has it's, it's turned into a uh, into a, just a corporate entertainment deal for the for the best clients that each uh, particular corporation and business may have. Well, the world will be listening, and the world will be watching. You, you hear him uh, covering those games, and uh, always a pleasure to do it. Uh, Dave Lapham with Dan Horde, of course, Wayne Boxmiller pregame, postgame, and uh, maybe we'll see and hear from Joe Burrow sooner than later with those Bengal stripes. Final question before we let you hop, Dave Lapham, and I appreciate you making time. Who's your pick? How do you see this outcome? Oh, boy. You know, I, I, I do see a, a high-scoring, close football game. I, I, I do see the uh, – and I know defense wins championships – and I do, I do believe in a, in a solid running game, but man, I just, I just have a feeling that, uh, Patrick Mahomes is going to get it done for Andy Reid. I know a lot of people like to see Andy Reid win a Super Bowl. Yeah. I would as well. Me too. And I do think, uh, the way Patrick Mahomes has played all season long, 
Uh, I'd be surprised if he didn't go out and have himself a pretty good football game today. I hope you're right. I look forward to it. Dave, thanks so much for making time. You're a good man. I appreciate it. My pleasure, Sterling. Have a great one. Take care of yourself. Dave Lapham talking uh, Super Bowl 54, kickoff 630. Sterling back on the other side getting lost in space with Space.com's Michael Wall in the home of the Reds and that Super Bowl. 700 WLW Cincinnati. Final hour this Sunday Sterling, Super Sunday Sterling, or something like that. Super Bowl 54 going on, kickoff 630. Here's what's disturbing to me. Currently... It is all of six degrees warmer in Miami than here in Cincinnati. (laughs) It is a bit windier here by six miles an hour. So my idea of the Super Bowl, and I know this is anomaly weather. This is strange, unusual weather here. But, I mean, really, the Super Bowl here is a – I mean, I know we don't have South Beach. I know we don't have the palm trees, generally speaking. But, uh, you know, all in all – not too bad, comparatively speaking. But what, you know, what are you going to do? How you doing? Kind enough to give us uh, some insight into some uh, space issues because they'll be watching. I'm guessing the Super Bowl in space on that space station. Who knows what they're really doing there? We don't know unless they tell us because they're way up there. But Michael D. Wall knows a thing or two about what's going on in space. He's from Space.com, and it's always a pleasure to talk to him. Welcome back to 700 WLW, Michael Wall. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. How are you doing? I, I'm doing okay. I I, I got to ask you right off the bat something that just uh, really was astounding to me because you know forever we've been told don't look at the sun, look away, don't look at the sun. You know, <laughs> it, it, but we've gotten an amazing uh, bit of uh, photography uh, giving us some high resolution look, maybe the best we've seen ever, I guess, technically, uh, of, of what the yeah. surface of the sun looks like, which is nice because as much as I try not to stare at it, I'm drawn to looking at it. But don't don't look look away, don't look at the sun. But we've seen yeah, that now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can look at, at photos of the sun taken by, by the Israeli Specialized Instruments. And this, this, is, yeah, this is like a brand-new solar telescope just unveiled. Um, it's, it's a very specialized instrument. And it's, 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 like, really amazing, the, like, pictures that it's taken. Like, the surface of the sun, you know, we, we see it up in the sky, and it's just this bright, like, yellow thing that we can't really see any details of, which is good, because if you're trying to see details, like you said, you're going to burn your eyeballs out. Yeah, you but, only get, like, that's a one-shot you, deal, right? You do that once, and then, like, whatever yeah. happened to him? Oh, you know, he, he's yeah, not real smart. And what, what's super scary about that, too, is that, like, there aren't really, you know, like, a bunch of kind of pain receptor nerve cells in your eyes, so you, you don't, like, feel them burning. You only, like... I mean, yeah, people who, who this has happened to have said that, that they didn't feel pain when it was happening, and it, it, it was only afterwards that they realized they'd, they'd really screwed up. You know, um, I, I wonder, but, you know, I, I think, Michael Wall, in truth, until they told me not to look at the sun, I never thought of looking at the sun quite that much. And, and then and they were like, well, you can't really feel the damage. And I'm like, oh, holy crap. And the picture here that we, we've seen, uh, it, it really seems, all, it reminds me of, um, and I, I don't like this food product, I've never really understood it, and, and, and you go to Waffle House or whatever, and it, it, people love it. And when I lived in the New Orleans, you know, and visited the South, I had an ex-girlfriend. She she lived for grits. It reminds me of almost like a, an up-close, high-resolution picture of grits, but it's uh, the surface yeah. of the sun. So what exactly are we looking at? Do we know? Well, it's, yeah, it's very complex surface. There are all these, like, convecting cells of heat and, I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's very complicated. So that, that's probably what drives, what drives solar activity is this, it's, they have this, like, interconnection of, of the intense, like, solar magnetic field. 
And, of course, it's super-duper hot, and you have that heat radiating out and kind of bubbling up, going back and forth, up and down. And so, like, you can see those convective cells. And, yeah, yeah, I mean, like, those cells do look like grits, or they look like kind of like corn. Like, that that's the first thing that, that, that hit me. Not necessarily grits, but like a corn cob or something. Because yeah. it does look like kernels. It kind um, of does. Yeah, and that's... That, that's what you see. I mean, it, it, it's just really cool to kind of have it, like, imprinted on your brain that the sun is not this, just this, like, perfect sphere or something that's, that's like, intact. And it, it's a complicated thing, and there's lots going on there. And, like, when you, when you drill down into the structure like that, you can really see it. Uh, sort of switch here just a little bit, and, uh, and I love the space stuff. It's good to get lost with you up there, even though with, we don't actually leave terra firma. Uh, and, but this is weird. SpaceX, of course, we are farming out a whole bunch of uh, things, we being like the people of Earth, uh, specifically Americans with NASA, uh, to SpaceX and some other companies uh, to try to handle some of what's going to take to get back up there uh, to uh, the moon or, or beyond. Uh, and they just blew up a, a huge tank. Uh, of sorts that is, I guess, a part of a process to tech, and I want to make sure I get this right, and you correct me if I'm wrong, Michael D. Wall from Space.com. It was about pressurization or overfilling or something, uh, a tank that will help propel uh, future astronauts up there somewhere? Yeah, well, this, this was a test. This is even more ambitious than going to the space station. This was a test that's involved with, with, with their big sort of Mars program. You know, they're building this big spaceship called Starship. That, that like Elon Musk wants to use to, to help colonize Mars. And so they're, they're sort of building like the first full up version of it for flight testing and all that. And what this, this like test was, it was, it was like a pressure test of one of the fuel tanks on that spaceship, which is called Starship. And it, they were, they were, they're basically testing what it could withstand and seeing if it was strong enough. So they, they basically pushed it beyond the, the sort of pressure limits that it would normally handle. And they just kind of like saw where it popped for a future reference. It was it was a normal test. You know, having it pop like that was not a catastrophe. They were sort of expecting it because they were pushing it beyond its limits. But this is what their yeah, this is their big Mars thing. This is what Elon Musk has always been all about. I mean, getting rich so he can help people colonize Mars. This is what's been driving him forever. And what happens? What, 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 I gotta know this. What happens if these Martians, if they actually do exist, maybe they're hiding from us and we just show up? We oh, we're just gonna show up and colonize. What the hell happens if we get up there and then they're like, nah, nah, we, we no. Good luck to you. And yeah. then they pun us. And then what the hell happens? Yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe they have anti-aircraft up there, and our our first manned landing will get shot out of the sky. Like we don't know, but but like we'll only know when we go. Well, so, we send a note like first. I mean, I don't even show up at relatives' houses without notice. I, I mean, and we're just hey, you don't mind us? We're showing up, Martians. Everything's fine. We we've like sort of sent them notice with our rovers and our landers and stuff. So yeah, so if they didn't get the hint that there's more coming, then that's that's probably their fault. Hey, have we heard yet? There were these signals that have been coming sporadically from somewhere out there. Do, have we figured out where these signals are coming from, or what they may or may not mean? Is it us and stuff that's being sent back? Is it us future past? I mean, there's a lot of layers to this that makes my head hurt, Michael Wall. Well, yeah, there, there, there are always some mysterious signals that scientists don't know exactly what they are, and probably, probably the most kind of famous of those are they're called fast radio bursts. And there, um, scientists have discovered like 150 of these things, and they're these like deep space signals. They're really intense radiation, and we don't know what they are. We, we're trying to figure out what they are. They might be produced by by two like neutron stars crashing into each other or stuff like that. Some some crazy like phenomena like that. 
but there are some there's some scientists who do think that some of these things might be like actually alien intelligence, like like kind of beaming signals out. I mean, that that's always my explanation of sort of last resort because it's it's like never been alien so far, so it's kind of. I mean, it doesn't seem justified to assume that that it would be until we actually know that it is. Um, I would I would love for it to be aliens, but yeah, I mean, I like I'd not I kind of bet on it at this point. Well, what kind of aliens would you want? Because I always imagine like the Kirk aliens from Star Trek, like a blue woman, a green woman, whatever you know. And then I think Doctor <laughs> Who aliens. You got those potato headed people. I mean, what kind of alien do you really like? You envision what would be the idea? Friendly would be first. You know, you don't want like Cybermen. You don't want angry Klingons. What type of aliens do, do we really want? Those that are accommodating, that will share their natural resources with us, water, give us a place to go when this yeah. thing melts up. What What are you looking for? What do you hope for? Yeah, I, I'm. It's it's much more important to me that the alien has like a good personality than a good body. I think um, <laughs> you you like want them to be in the right. Yeah, you you don't want them to be evil. You don't want them to be hostile. You don't want them to be acquisitive, and just want to steal all your stuff and enslave you. And those are things that they're. It's it's like pretty interesting. You know, and this, this is all assuming that they're intelligent and advanced creatures and so on, and have technology and all that. But when like the yeah, kind of like the odds are, are best that we'll find something that's a microbe, and and in that case, you, you know, you just don't want it to to cause a disease that offs to you. Um, but yeah, there, oh, there, I like, thought of that. Thanks. Then that can just bounce around <laughs> in my brain now too with the coronavirus. Yeah. Now I got to worry about that. Like maybe the little creatures that are keeping our eyelashes in actually, in fact, are your thing like foreign alien creatures just trying to keep, do us a solid with like eyelashes and eyebrows. Is that is that what you're saying is possible? It's, it's it's possible, you know. There, like there are scientists who think actually that that there could be like a shadow biosphere here on Earth. That's that's I guess what they call it. Like I mean, that there actually might be aliens here that are that's like a whole separate tree of of like life. You know, maybe not necessarily from outer space, but like like might have evolved here in parallel with kind of normal life. As there are scientists who are sort of looking for that, which is another thing that's kind of kind of crazy if you think about it. And what the reasoning there is, you know, I mean, life here got started super fast. And, I mean, almost like 4 billion years ago or so, which is really quickly. So if it happened that quickly once, you used to say it didn't happen again and in a different way. And it's like maybe this, the shadow biosphere is so hard to find because it's been kind of driven to the margins by the, by the dominant life. And it, 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 like, uses, like, yeah, like, whole different cellular pathways so they'd be hard to find. So, yeah, it's. That's, that's another thing to kind of think about in the Super Bowl Sunday, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. So speaking of Super Bowl, uh, before we get to your picks, because I, you know, you're as credible as I am when it comes to this. Uh, are they on the space station going to be watching? Have they done something like here? We, we, you know, we had a, our hippo at the Cincinnati Zoo, uh, Fiona. She vomited, if I'm not mistaken, uh, on uh, uh, was it? The, I think she picked the, the Chiefs. At least I hope she picked the Chiefs because uh, I picked the Chiefs. And uh, she she vomited on this big thing that had the logo on it, and so. Now we think sort of like Puxatawney <laughs> Phil or Buckeye Chuck was the shadow today that, you know, the weather will be better sooner. We'll break for spring training and think about opening day Reds baseball and good things here. Uh, do, do, are they going to watch in the space station, this football game, the Super Bowl game? And, and uh, do they have like any like thing where they've picked something? I remember years past, I think they have. Yeah, I'm 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 fairly certain that like they'll be watching. You know, I, I I haven't talked to, to any of the kind of NASA space station people that confirm that, but it's pretty much guaranteed that like the American astronauts up there will be watching because they like generally care about like big events that happen down here on Earth and it helps connect them to life here on Earth. And 
and it's a community up there. So, so yeah, even the international astronauts, they'll, they'll probably watch too just because they're all friends and they're all pretty close up there on the space station. So I, like, I'd imagine they have a Super Bowl party, but they will not be allowed to, to get drunk at their Super Bowl party. Now, will they, they eat wings? Uh, will they eat, like, uh, you know, uh, pulled pork sandwiches, nachos? What kind of food do they eat? I mean, they, they progress yeah. from Tang. There's MREs. What are they eating for a Super Bowl party on the space station? That's that's a really good question. If if NASA scientists have invented freeze, you know, like freeze dried nachos or something, then they've probably sent them up there. Boy, it sounds but I awful. I don't know the answer to that question. Uh, and you say they can't get liquored up. What you mean? So they're not boozing up? I think you get lonely and despondent. You see the big blue marble of home, and you're up there for an extended period of time. You might want to drink. I'm not saying it's reasonable or responsible to do that. Probably speak to a therapist about it. Who am I to say, Michael Wall from Space.com? Yeah. But why can't they drink <laughs> yeah. up there? It's a safety thing, you know. I mean, they like with all the vetting and like all the astronauts they 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 pick, you know, they're they're probably not going to pick somebody who would go on a bender. Um, well, but you can drink responsibly. Wait a minute. Wait, but wait a minute. Wait a minute. You're assuming. I mean, what, is that how you live? That you, if, if you're having a drink, you got you're, you're you're boozing it up to the point of inoperability. I mean, they're in orbit. What are they actually doing up there? They're just letting that thing run. They're not driving it. It's not like a you know like they're out here running the streetcar, and that's on rails. So what do they got to worry about? Yeah, I I like. It's probably just that it costs a lot of money. It's a $150 billion kind of... Well, you're speaking practically. There, so. That's crazy talk. <laughs> so if it, if it like, crashes, it would be very bad. They, it, it's, yeah, they, like, they don't want to take any, any risks. All, like, all that being said, you know, there, there are apocryphal stories about, like, I mean, at least on, on the old Russian space station, Mir, about, like, Russians kind of, they're kind of sneaking vodka on board. And, Hell yeah. <laughs> and like having a quick nip here and there just to celebrate certain things, which wouldn't be crazy or wouldn't, I mean, you wouldn't kind of frown on that. But, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure stuff like that has happened in in the history of space flight. I mean, it could be I mean, they they make their own hooch in prison, from what I understand. I've never been locked <laughs> up or gone away to college, as some people call it. You know what I mean? Uh, but I mean, they, they could probably be fermenting something up there in space and, and maybe testing to see how that works, right? If, well, it's like there. Yeah, if somebody finds like a bag of, of of like rotten apples in the bathroom and and they're they're like making some hooch out of it, I would definitely write a story about that. That that would be very interesting to me. By the way, this is a, a, a an event of events today. Uh, you, Michael D. Wall, myself, uh, talking uh, about space stuff. This is the first time I've ever used the term, and you uttered it as well, hooch on the radio anytime. So I I, <laughs> I just want to say this this has been an event for me, and I've been on the radio since I've been like nineteen years old. That's that's something. I don't know what it means, but that's it's something anyway. Um, yeah. do, do you have a pick? Do you have a pick for the Super Bowl yourself? Or are you paying attention? I know you're a, a California guy uh, a lot of the time. So, uh, do, do you have a favorite in this? Yeah, I, I, I have a sentimental pick, but then I, it's like different from from what I think is going to happen. Now, I've, I, like I've been living in, in San Francisco for the past decade, so of course I like want the Niners to win. But it's been, um, Sorry, there was something. Yeah, in my, teeth, would, my bad. No, I would I would love for that to happen, and they, they there's a chance. You now they've got that that great front four, and they've they they could they could potentially put a lot of pressure on the Chiefs and get some turnovers. But I, it's just hard to go against like a superstar quarterback in a Super Bowl. Right, that tends to be what what wins out. And like I just think the Chiefs have so many weapons, and and they've got the best player in the field in their quarterback Mahomes. So I think it's going to be the Chiefs. Um, I'll be watching it, and I'll be rooting for the Niners, but. 
I'm, I'm expecting it's probably going to be a Chiefs day. I understand. There, there's a rational, reasonable thought if you're throwing money around at the sports book compared to like what you really want to happen. Michael D. Wall from Space.com, I, I will ask you then uh, this as well. If you, in fact, could get yourself to Miami in short order and get yourself one of the cheap tickets that are actually available, the cheapest are going for about $5,000, would you, A, go to the game or go to the sports book and wager that 5K? What, like, would somebody pay me or, or, or like, have the ticket for Like, me, just he, here's five grand. Here's your cheap-ass ticket to the Super Bowl for $5,000, or here's $5,000 to go to the sports book. You can't be like, a, you know, a, the broadcast sheriff, Dave Keaton, who earlier, who's uh, producing the show, is like, well, uh, I will uh, I will wager a little bit of it and just keep the rest of the money. He was trying to lawyer his way out of the deal. So it's either go <laughs> to the game or it's uh, wager the cash. Because I always, I, I'd rather yeah. wager it and watch the game on the TV. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, yeah. I would, too. I, I would just have, like, a really hard time philosophically with, with spending, like, $5,000 on, on, like, three hours of entertainment. So I, I would probably look to, quote-unquote, like, do an investment with it and see if I could you know, see if I could double my money or something. I, I would probably do that, and I'd probably, I'd probably bet on the Chiefs. There you go. See, you say investment. That's not really a smart way to looking at it like a gambling, but I, I've rationalized it that no. way myself in the past, that's for sure. I mean, you know, the other reason, of course, you get Shakira and Jennifer Lopez at the halftime show, but from where those $5,000 uh, tickets are, I mean, literally it'll be like watching, uh, you know, a, I don't know, microbes or something. It, it's ridiculous. Uh, <laughs> One final question here. European uh, space crew, uh, actually not in space but in Hawaii, acting as if they're on the moon in the future for the last couple of weeks. How did that go, and what is that like? Because they're apparently near a volcano, literally on the side of a volcano. That is uh, some interesting training. Yeah, and this, yeah, this is something that, that, that like NASA has been doing for a long time, and yeah, and like you mentioned, I'm the European Space Agency astronauts do this. They, they like, do this kind of analog training where they go to places where it's like being on the moon or, or it's like being on Mars. And that, that's what all this is kind of building toward is, is like, sending people to Mars. And that's going to be really hard, and they're, they're going to have to kind of troubleshoot lots of weird problems in a harsh environment. So, so what the thinking is, I mean, put them up high on this bare, very cold volcano up, up, up in Hawaii, and present them with problems and have them kind of problem solve their way out of it and have them go do tasks that, that, that they would do on Mars and have them all live together and just do all this stuff together like, like a Mars crew would do. And, and I mean, meanwhile, all, all of their, yeah, like all of their activities are being monitored by, by scientists and by doctors and they're seeing how, how their stress levels go up and down and what their interpersonal reactions are like. So it's, it's, it's basically just like a trial run to see what are going to be the, the, the kind of biggest problems that we might encounter on a Mars mission. And there, like, there have been dozens of these things in the past and all of it, yeah, I mean, all of it's gathering data that, that will hopefully be put to use and hopefully not too much longer when we actually launch people there. That's exactly right. And just hope that they're friendly up there if there's anyone there at all. At Michael D. Wall on Twitter from space.com, which is also on Twitter there as well. Thank you for making the time. Even though your emotions and your hope for the 49ers, uh, you believe as I do that it's going to be a Chiefs win in Super Bowl 54, uh, which we'll hear later on the big one. Thanks for making time as always and getting lost in space with us. Good talking to you. You too. Take care of yourself. We'll talk to you again soon. Uh, quick break. Come back. More Sterling. 700 WLW. Children growing, women producing, men go working, some go stealing. Everyone's got to make a living. Sorry, just imagine Jennifer Lopez for a minute. Halftime show with Shakira. Super Bowl 54 in Miami. Where, by the way, 
She is from the bottom. Big time halftime show. She and Shakira doing their thing at the halftime. 49ers, Chiefs going at it. Kickoff here, 6.30. Tim McGee uh, hanging out with Chick Lugwig. Going to get you ready uh, for that uh, game uh, a little bit later here after I exit stage left. Um, right now, this, this, let me do the nine first warning weather and uh, disturbing statistics. Uh, we could do a Super Bowl here, I think. I don't know what the odds are of having another Super Bowl Sunday be this nice in the tri-state where it's the first time we've seen the sun in I don't know how long. Uh, but, I mean, just unbelievable. Uh, sunshine now. High of 59, 62 tomorrow, 57 Tuesday rain, and back to reality in the 40s come Wednesday. It's uh, 58 here at uh, your Severe Weather Station, 700 WLW. Uh, at the airport, 63 and 67 in Miami. Four degrees difference from Miami to Cincinnati for the Super Bowl. I know there's no palm trees uh, and no, no uh, South Beach and all the other stuff, but that's pretty nice. 2.30 report straight away. We'll come back, talk Super Bowl food, distracted driving, your food of choice for the Super Bowl, and uh, maybe your picks. And uh, would you take the 5K and go to the game or 5K and go to the sports book? I think that's an amazing question, and, and uh, I, I, I'd go to the sports book. I, I, I just would. It's Sterling, 700WLW. 700WLW, what you're listening to. I actually, this is crazy for February. I may have to actually close these blinds because the sun is coming through and starting to blind me. Chick Lugwig and, and Tim McGee will probably have to do that very thing as they follow me and get you ready for Super Bowl 54. Uh, here, here's my question for you, because now that we talked to uh, Michael D. Wall from Space.com and the idea of these uh, meals ready to eat kind of dehydrated uh, nachos in space kind of thing on the, on the space station, which sounds so... Um, Wonderfully appetizing, let's just say. And they, they can't drink up there. I, I mean, yeah, you, I mean, come on. A little, just a little celebration, a little something. You don't want to get all boozed up and stuff. On the, but what, what are you doing? Um, I'm wondering, what's on your Super Bowl menu? What are you going to eat tonight? Are, are, you, are you cooking? Is it a big deal? Maybe you don't give a crap one way or the other uh, about the Super Bowl. And, and uh, a lot of people, obviously, it's a big deal. whole lot of people... A disturbingly large number of people um, taking the, the day off tomorrow, many of which will not have scheduled a day off, which the problem is, of course, the brown bag flu. Uh, but the, the Monday after the Super Bowl is always a, a challenge for a lot of people when it comes to having people show up to do the jobs they're supposed to be doing. The AcuteHearingCenter.com phone line, 749-7800, the big one, pound 700 AT&T. Is it uh, chicken wings? Is it pizza? Is it nachos? What, what's the grub? Tacos, I think, is what the broadcast sheriff was talking about. Uh, got some uh, pizza going on at the house, and I'm supposed to pick up some other things, too. We'll see how it goes. The problem is when I go in, I think a lot of things are going to be like a, just completely ravaged at this point uh, with bits and pieces of whatever's left behind. Uh, but I will bring something because it's just the right thing to do. At Sterling Radio on Twitter as well. Um, pulled pork sounds fantastic. Chilies, I think that there's chili supposed to be go- going on. Uh, I have some of that that I prepared, so I, I may uh, bring that with me as well. Um, but a lot of people are doing that. And I'm still taking back, and this is the thing, there'll be uh, some issues. And this is, and I know maybe not the best of things to say, but it's true. There tends to be an uptick uh, in, in d- domestic violence situations and uh, in, in people who get, I guess, frustrated, aggravated, and lose the, their mind a little bit uh, during Super Bowls 
uh, generally speaking, who then end up having first responders have to uh, come and, and try to break stuff up, either because it's come to fisticuffs, come to blows, or people end up injured and end up going to the emergency room. And the thing of, of most disturbing in the thought to this point that I've come across is the one news story that there are people in, in uh, you know, tallyable numbers, enough of a problem of people waiting to go to the bathroom till halftime or till a commercial break or maybe waiting through the commercials because you can't you don't want to pause the TV or whatever. I, I don't know exactly what goes through someone's mind, but when they have to go, they don't go. So then their body seizes up or whatever happens when you hold it in too long. I I don't know how how dedicated do you got to be to watching a game unless you're playing in that situation why wouldn't you just go to the bathroom i i don't and then if you're the er people have to they see crazy stuff all the time but then to have to have somebody come in and go they held it too long and then can't go or have some backup or problem i, I don't know seven four nine seven thousand eight hundred the big one pound seven hundred on at&t i want to know uh what you eating what's on your menu for the super bowl I'm hungry just talking about it. Somebody also just cooked something here, and the, the HVAC's got that air moving through, which is not helping me, but I only got 20 minutes left, so I'm going to be all right. Joe, it's your turn with Sterling on 700 WLW. Hey, man. Hey, Sterling, uh, concerning the Super Bowl, it, it's somewhat related to health, but uh, as you have well noted, the, the day after the Super Bowl is the number one absenteeism day throughout the country. Yep. Now, this is a little bit radical, but I think that we should move the Martin Luther King holiday to that Monday. It would be in Black History Month. That makes some logic there. And we have moved uh, uh, Washington and Lincoln's birthdays around uh, for convenience. And I, I just I think it has a, a certain sense of logic. I, you know, there may be something there. Some people would say that with so many people hung over, while you're doing that for MLK Day, uh, you might want to do it in a different fashion. Uh, Lance was talking about this the other night, and I appreciate the call, man. Thank you. Uh, and we've discussed it before, which is something that maybe won't ever happen, but it does make a lot of sense. Instead of having it Super Bowl Sunday, move it to Saturday. So then you got that buffer day of a Sunday. I mean, I'm always for an extra long weekend, I, I'm big time. I'm all about wrapping the, the you know the weekend around that way, but when it comes to productivity and stuff, I don't know. Do you move MLK Day? Mm, I don't know. That's tough. But uh, move, maybe moving the game to a Saturday. I mean, there's lots of money, probably billions of dollars, not just millions of dollars at stake. But I mean, and one of the arguments against it, and last time I talked about this on the radio, you had people from uh, bars and some restaurants saying that. Their business on Saturday is so strong that the Super Bowl might actually hurt them, where it doesn't really hurt. It actually helps on a Sunday where they get some more business that they wouldn't otherwise be getting. So I guess my question to you then, and we'll take it from what Joe asked, do you move the MLK holiday to Monday to give it a day off so that uh, you know it ends up being something that people sort of absorb that way? Does it take away from Martin Luther King Jr. Day? Probably. That's why I would say that's probably not the best idea. Uh, and maybe moving the, the game to a Saturday. Good luck with that with the NFL, but trying it once. Lance had me sold on that the other night when I was driving in to follow him. I guess it was on Friday. But it's, a, it's amazing how many people get that brown bag flu as a result of overindulgence. Hydrate. 
If you're going to do alcoholic beverages, act like you're a pro, not an amateur. I mean, it's like New Year's, I guess. Have a drink if you're going to have a drink, and then have some water. Have a drink, maybe, and have some water. And then whatever you do, uh, a lot of law enforcement out on the roads in the tri-state, all over Ohio, certainly between uh, Cincinnati and Dayton, the state patrol focusing and also local authorities uh, on uh, trying to keep people off the roads who shouldn't be uh, boozed up or, or drugged up or whatever else. Get yourself an Uber, get a taxi, something. So maybe just stay home. Scott, 700 W. ULW. Hey. Perfect solution. So when Monday comes around and you're hungover, this is what you do. You get up, you drink a glass of water, take some ibuprofen, be a man, and take your ass to work. Well, well that's, that's, see, that's reasonable and rational. You make so much sense, though. See, I, this is, you're going to get in trouble like me. You make too much sense, and, and people be don't like man. being truth. That's the problem. Be a man, put on your pants, and go to work. That's exactly like everybody right. everybody else. That's right. Scott, I appreciate the call. It's true. I mean, it's you just handle your business. You got to do what you got to do. Uh, non-steroidal, anti-inflammatory, and, and stay hydrated. And maybe get yourself some really good greasy breakfast to sort of take care of the business at hand. So you sop up a little of that, and you'll feel better too. One day, if you know, getting off of that, you know, it was probably not as bad as some others. Seven four nine seven thousand eight hundred. The big one pound seven hundred AT and T. So. Uh, I'm still taken back by this, and I mentioned this uh, when I was talking to Michael D. Wall. He, and he, he thought, like me, that $5,000 ticket, which I haven't checked in the last hour or so, but it was they were still available, a handful of tickets, way, way up there. Uh, the game would just be almost invisible. You need, like, a you know magnifying. May as well just bring in your handheld device and watch the game on that. But to be in the stadium, the cheapest way to go that's left right now, $5,000 ticket. Would you cough up the cash for that? Or if, even if somebody gave it to you, here's a ticket, a $5,000 ticket there, or take that $5,000 and go wager at the sports book. I'd like to tell you, I, I do the wagering. So I got a chance of at least, you know, uh, making something out of it. And then you can watch the game and eat some food there and hang out. And you got a big crowd. Crowds make me a little nervous and uncomfortable. It's not even going to be a normal kind of crowd for the football game. Maybe closer to it in those $5,000 seats. $5,000. What would you? I mean, what would you rather do with the five thousand? Would you pay five thousand dollars to get in to see any game? What the basketball Bearcats get to the NCAA finals? Would you pay five grand for that? If the Bengals get to the Super Bowl, would you pay? If the Reds get to the World Series, of course you got at least four. Maybe the, you know they, they uh, end up just sweeping uh, and win in, in four and get it out that way. I, I five grand for one of those. Maybe if it's your team, but just for the event, what do you think? Your chance to speak your mind on the other side. The waning moments of this Sunday Sterling before Chick Lugwig steps in. Get you ready for Super Bowl Fifty Four on Seven Hundred WLW. Sterling hanging out about 10 minutes away from your 3 o'clock report. Chick Ludwig uh, steps in after that. I know Tim McGee's going to join him, uh, at least for some of the time. Gets ready for Super Bowl 54. Kickoff 630, 700 WLW. Some scores uh, right now. NKU in action on the road at Milwaukee uh, in Horizon League action, leading 2015. That's in the first. Uh, Wright State Raiders, uh, they are ahead of Green Bay. 42-37. They both won, I think it was Friday night, where uh, NKU got by Green Bay and Wright State got over Milwaukee because that's sort of how they flip-flop back and forth doing a lot of that Horizon League stuff when they travel. And then sooner than later, Wright State will make the trip down to BB&T and take on NKU there. They beat them already at Wright State. Sorry, don't be mad. I I know if you're a Norse fan. I mean, I'm a Raider, but I'm just telling you what it is. Uh, And uh, hockey action right now in the NHL. Uh, Blue Jackets on the road in Montreal. uh, Lead uh, in the first period, one nothing. And we got Super Bowl 54 in just a little bit. Average ticket price, by the way, apparently about $10,000. 
uh, for uh, getting into that game in Miami. If you're wanting to jet off there, I guess, if money's no option. And as I understand it now, what was a $5,000 remaining ticket price, uh, best price right now on SeatGeek is $5,466. Uh, StubHub's got them for just over six k. Ticketmaster at $7,600. And uh, Vivid Seat uh, is uh, just shy, uh, it's like $5,900 or so uh, for a ticket. So initially, my question and my thought was when it was about $5,000, is would you take that $5,000 ticket, get nosebleed seats at the Super Bowl? And I don't care if it's the Bengals or anybody, let alone 49ers Chiefs. Go Chiefs, I say. That's my prediction. Um, or, or, or would you take that same money and go to the sports book? I go to the sports book because I might get a little return on the investment. I'm going to see the game better anyway with TV, uh, you know, or whether you're listening to the game uh, one way or the other. Carol, 700 WLW with Sterling Scott after you. What's going on, Carol? Hi. Hey. I'm from well, I'm from the west side of Cincinnati. Went to Xavier, so lived on the east side. Now live in Covington. Okay. And if the Bengals go to the Super Bowl in my lifetime, I'm 46. I would pay whatever it took. Doesn't matter. You're ready. I I, I feel that. I would cash in. I would cash in my 401k. I would put a second mortgage on my house if I had to. Wow, that, uh, that's just that I'm side of delusion. Way. So I got you. So you still got the who day feeling deep inside, right? I do. You got to believe. You got to believe. That's it. And you can't feel too bad. Xavier won last night, what, uh, 74-62 at Seton Hall, so that's nice. I went to Xavier, so, you know, XU. That's it. But, yeah, unfortunately, a diehard Bengals fan. uh, You can't quit it. I I know how it is. You you want to quit, but you can't. The Bengals fans aren't like, uh, usually aren't converted. They're made. They're born. uh, We are the most loyal fans uh, in the NFL. That's it. You cannot put a price on that life experience. No, it was This time we're going to win. Well, hopefully they'll get back there sooner than later. We'll see whether it's Joe Burrow and company or otherwise. We'll have to wait and find out. We talked to Tim McGee uh, earlier. The same thing uh, we did with Dave Lapham. So their perspective and certainly the two guys that have been there. Uh, wearing those Bengal stripes. Uh, pretty happy yesterday. Also, let me give a quibble, another quick scores if you happen to miss it. Uh, basketball Bearcats won by two at home uh, over Houston uh, in the American uh, Conference. They're 64-62. Flyers did what they've been doing all season. Seventh ranked right now in the country and playing and looking strong up at UD Arena. 70-56 they won. Uh, Louisville won yesterday. Ohio State won. Miami lost, and uh, no word yet on uh, whether those uh, two people that had uh, believed to have possibly been infected with coronavirus or not. But apparently they're getting better, but they don't know if it's actually what it was. And there'll be more word on that as uh, we get details, certainly, in news. To Bethel, uh, talking to Scott, 700 WLW. Appreciate you holding. What's up? Oh, I got a real easy one for you. Yes. With all the festivities and everything going on with Super Bowl, and you don't want to miss a play. Yes. All you need is adult diapers or a catheter. Yeah, it, go, it goes. Everything goes back to space, Scott. I don't know why. I'm fixated with space just in general, and that's true. That's what the NASA astronauts wear, and I'm a guess all astronauts because when you got to go, you got to go, and you don't want that stuff. It's just easier in a diaper, I guess. Absolutely. I, I mean, I you know, I don't know. That's all I had for you. That's all I needed, Scott. Thank you. I I mean, you know, I'm not trying to wear the diaper until I need to. Last time I mentioned that, I have to somebody messaged me on Twitter something about a fetish and wearing diapers and it was just unnerving and uncomfortable and uh, to each their own. You just don't need to share it and with me. What was it the show was it on Vice or and you know what? I think it's a TLC show I just saw. And it, it had a guy who was uh he acts like a baby and he wears a diaper. And his uh, wife or girlfriend sort of takes care of him. Uh, that's that's 
I guess it's some type of learning on the TLC in relation to that, but that's just that's just craziness. Just to me, to each their own is all I know. I mean, it's just a, a very strange and unusual kind of deal. But I mean, whatever makes you happy, whatever makes you happy, I guess. Um, I, I got to mention this because anywhere and everywhere I've been driving, and since we've not had a lot of snow, usually when you start seeing that snow melt is when it gets really disgusting. If you're getting off like here at Montgomery Road off of 71 uh, or wherever else you happen to be at red lights here or there just driving along the roadside, in the winter it ju- you just see it. It's more vivid and, and more uh, just right out in front of you is all the litter, all the stuff people just toss out of their cars, butts, you know, people smoking, uh, cans, wrappers uh, or whatever else, idiots and morons. Uh, inconsiderate people. ODOT, the Ohio Department of Transportation, I just want to share this with you because it it just drives me crazy. Uh, They spend on average about $4 million cleaning up with state and federal money, uh, highway stuff, um, uh, cleaning up. $4 million a year getting trash and all that other kind of crap or whatever, which is just just, uh, bewildering to me. If people just handled their business, it wouldn't be that much of a problem, but it, it is uh, one of those things that comes up from time to time. Uh, and one more thing. I want to mention this before I go. because I, uh, I know uh, Chicka is coming in. Tim McGee is coming in to get you ready for Super Bowl 54, 49ers and Chiefs. Uh, this is really good news. Sherry uh, Hughes uh, from Channel 9 uh, tweeted out, um, I guess it was Friday, Great news. I'm going from memory uh, that uh, she was uh, feeling good and uh, she was in remission and, and uh, healing was complete. So uh, that that is a fantastic news uh, to a woman who has uh, been battling and dealing with some serious health issues. So that that is fantastic. So hopefully we'll uh, hear her and be seeing her soon uh, doing that nine first warning weather, which I, I think is uh, something we all look forward to. And, and a lot of us, uh, with people close to us who've been dealing with similar issues, uh, I have a, a good friend of mine, and uh, first of all, women are just crazy tough and strong. Um, but the, what they can do now uh, and how far they've come with technology and research and medicine, uh, stuff that would uh, leave people with statistic and, and uh, you know casualties of this, um, uh, have uh, found a way to be surviving and for surviving and living better and longer. So that is uh, just a fantastic news for Sherry Hughes and, and so many other, my friend Stephanie and a whole lot of other people dealing with those things. So I, I was so glad to read that the other day on Twitter. So there is that. Uh, the Super Bowl uh, coming up a little later after Chick and Tim McGee, as I mentioned. Uh, I'm still amazed by this. Uh, lowest price remaining uh, just uh, four, $5,400 and change. I, I don't think I would pay to. I, I'm, I'm trying to think of exactly what I would pay. I mean, we heard Carol mention earlier. She's like, no, she'd go if the Bengals get back to the Super Bowl. She she'd mortgage her house. She would she would uh, you know empty out that 401k or retirement plan. That's a little extreme to me. Uh, StubHub over six thousand dollars remaining ticket. Ticketmaster seventy six hundred dollars, almost six thousand dollars from Vivid Seat and uh, Expedia. What's that? Is that a flight or is that actual ticket uh, package or something? Something. Maybe it's just a ticket, I guess. That's uh, somewhere in the neighborhood of $5,600 and change also. I just, I'd rather watch on TV. I mean, unless I'm up close. And these aren't even like good tickets. These aren't good seats. These are like way up there, like you, you could change light bulbs in the stadium lighting se- in a system or whatever else for that kind of money. And I know there's a sterling. That's not the right thing to say. I'm just telling you, me personally, 
Even if I was spending Tim McGee's money, if I was spending Bill Cunningham's money, I still wouldn't take that cash. Chick Ludwig would be like, Sterling, here's ten grand. Go to Miami, have a good time. I'd be like, mm, no, I don't know. I might throw some money around at the sports book. I might put a little of that money away. I don't know. But I know Chick and Tim are coming up, and they'll get you ready for that uh, kickoff. 6.30, talking of 49ers and Chiefs. My prediction, Chiefs by six. Mr. Mahomes going to be out of control. But that's why they play the game. We'll have to wait and see what happens. I'll talk to you next week here where the Reds play. 700 WLW Cincinnati.